When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think, thought they just played on that like really, really wanky kind of <laughs> place so well. The, the the food they were given was brilliant. Yeah. I, I, that was very laugh out loud for me. Yeah, yeah. What was the whole it? Thing was um, about listening to the venison. Yes. yes, and you can you can listen to it. Yeah. its final moments Keanu, as you eat it. Wasn't it? Keanu said, um, "Do you have anything on the menu that's?" Um, messes with time the concept of time yeah, yeah, yes, plays with the concept of time yes we have the venison and we give you earphones of the venison that's be, as it's been killed um, <laughs> and Keanu crying as he's eating it oh yeah and, 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 and then immediately you. going to not hello film fans thanks for listening today joining us in the studio we have Sarah May hello Susie hi there and as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're reviewing the 2019 film, Always Be My Maybe. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this slightly noisier than usual episode of a FlixWatcher podcast um, where we're recording. There's a, a bit of a party going on, so we apologize for the background noise that you can hear in the background. But... To compensate for that, we have two fantastic guests. We have Sarah May and Susie. If you would like to say hello and tell our listeners about the podcast that you do, please. Hi there. Um, season one of my little indie podcast company, Fable Gazers. You might want to say your name. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have. We should say that we we have had uh, Sarah May on before, so maybe. Yeah. But um, that was a long time ago. I, think. I, I still think it's fair to say your name yeah. before you start speaking for the first time in this Let's, episode. Uh, name <laughs> if you're a award-winning podcaster, they should know your voice. Like Kylie. God. Um, my name is Sarah May Tucson, <laughs> <laughs> and I am the senior producer of Fable Gazers Indie Podcast Company. We do different stories every year or as, as frequently as we can manage to get them out. And uh, season one was called The Sugar Baby Confessionals, and that's out now. Um, season two, I'm working on, I'm hoping to have out by the end of the year. It's all about Georgette Hare, who's a, an amazing and highly underrated writer. And I'll be talking to people like Stephen Fry, Joanne Harris, Garth Nix, all sorts of lovely people. I'll have a book club that you can join up to and a cinematic investigation of why her books haven't been made into films i'm doing everything <laughs> in this podcast and i think i don't know if i'm going to manage to do it all but i'm going to try my best <laughs> at least you're trying though that's the thing isn't it yes and setting yourself those goals that like seem far away but at least you've tried so far away yeah. so very far away <laughs> better to have tried and failed this is it yeah um all succeeded 
Exactly. We all well, believe in Sarah Thank May. you, Susie Glass. I'm not saying you won't succeed, but I'm saying it's better to try <laughs> than just kind of think, <laughs> than to think that seems like too far away. I'm not going to bother. You're getting off the couch and going, yes. taking the first steps to succeeding. Well, actually, I'm on the couch currently with the laptop <laughs> trying to do the work. So, um, yeah. yeah, Susie. Uh, hi, I'm Susie Buttress. I'm the host of the Casual Birder podcast, which is a show about wild birds. And I feature birds from the UK and Europe and America and Canada and further afield. Um, I've been lucky enough to travel to Antarctica <laughs> and recently to Mexico. And um, what, what kind of birds you get in Mexico? Oh, well, I saw... Uh, quite a few species of hummingbird oh right I love um, hummingbirds. we we were actually on a whale watching cruise um for uh, 11 days with a well-known um conservationist mark carwardine and uh so we, we we mainly were seeing seabirds um but then we spent a, a week on land um in baja california and that was just amazing but yeah that seeing all the different hummingbirds um and other birds like orioles which we just don't have over here and are just so colourful mm. and wonderful to see. The first, when you see, when I first saw hummingbirds on like Wildlife on One and because they always used to fill up the whole screen, I thought they were massive. <laughs> and the first time you see them, it's like the size That's of your small. thumb. Yeah. The first time I saw it was like in Brazil and I was just like, what's that? I was like 25, so I should have known better at this point. <laughs> and I just thought, what's that? Oh, of course, that's, yeah, because it'd be insane if they were the size of like an owl or a normal sized bird and they were flap, uh, flapping their wings that fast. It would that- be literally physically like, difficult yeah they would have taken over the world i think yeah. no but that's that's really interesting about how yeah perception through looking at wildlife documentaries and things can actually distort what you because they were really is literally there. the same size as a lion which is like the next yeah <laughs> hummingbird one shot really and then surprised. and then there's a lion in the next shot um so i was going to ask quick question do you have a favorite bird i yes <laughs> the bird that will be my favorite is the one that will come to my hand and take food from it so I'm, I don't mind which bird it is. Goose. <laughs> Even a goose. But one that will sit on my hand, like a little chickadee or a, a woodpecker or something like that, I would, as long as I get to feel like um, Snow White, <laughs> all is good. <laughs> Sarah May, have you got a favourite bird? Um, I, I saw a really colourful jay in the garden. I thought, you know, in my ignorance, I thought, wow, what kind of an amazing tropical bird is that? And then re- only to realise it was quite a common bird. Mm. But uh, it was very beautiful. Uh, maybe common, but quite shy. So you were lucky to see them. There's lots of jays in Regent's Park at the moment. Right. So it must be all the youngsters that are around from having fledged and oh, okay. making themselves more obvious. Sure. Check um, out my Corvid episode to find out more about the jay. Um, so we're talking today about Always Be My Maybe, which is Sarah May's choice. Sarah May, can you tell us why you chose it and give us a two-minute synopsis? Okay, um, right. So childhood friends, Sasha Tran and Marcus, forget his surname, um, fall out after sleeping together. And then they don't speak again for 16 years. When Sasha, who's now a celebrity tra- uh, celebrity chef, comes back to San Francisco to open a new restaurant and they reconnect. Um, but will they get together? I don't know. Do they? Will they? Won't they? Let's see. <laughs> so that was the synopsis. So why did you choose it? I chose it because I, you know, I've, I've, I'm a huge rom- rom-com fan. I'm a huge romance fan. And so I always snap up these kind of offerings. And sometimes they <laughs> fall very flat. 
um, which is very disappointing for me because I feel like it's quite a low bar to make a, a rom-com good, decent. And this very much exceeded my expectations. I thought it was so funny, so sharp. Um, I've really enjoyed the relationship between the real life. They have a real life um, friendship, Ali Wong and Randall Park, who are the main, the two, the two leads. And they wrote and, and uh, produced it yeah. as well. So it's really wonderfully diverse. Also, I I love that. I love the way that um, you know this. It's not it's not making a big thing about the fact that they're both Asian. It's just that happens to be what they are, and uh, they're both wonderful in it. I really enjoyed it. And there's a, an amazing cameo with Keanu Reeves, which I loved. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, what are your thoughts? So um, I knew about this film um, because of the the unlikely cameo of um, Keanu Reeves. So you knew about the cameo before you started watching it? I did because ah, okay. people kept talking about, oh, there's an amazing cameo. And I was like, oh, what is it? Oh, it's Keanu Reeves. Spoilers, guys. Uh, there's an amazing cameo with Keanu Reeves if you haven't, <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't watched the film. Um, so, yeah, um, there's a lot of things that I really, really liked about this film. And then there was a few things that I, I was I was less, less enamoured with. But um, we've talked about this before because we... Um, reviewed um, to all the boys I've loved before, and the sort of the diversity in the casting with this, and um, yeah, it's it's really great to see a romantic comedy where um, the two leads are not white, or um, you know, the female is not uh, a, a blonde stick. Um, so that was kind of nice um, and and fun. And there's there's a lot of funny moments in it as well. Um, he's in a um a terrible band i mean his band that he's in are awful <laughs> even the bits that they're, they're meant to be good they're kind of like maybe uh like go back to 2002 when like smash mouth and bands yeah. like that were, kind of, were the uh, big thing so he's with someone he's who in, can who feels like can rap a bit but really yeah. can't and shouldn't be doing it uh, so yeah he's he's in a band and she, she's this amazing chef which i just couldn't buy because she's flicking her hair around and that would never to just be like long black hairs in people's food when it when it came out if yeah. she didn't tie her hair. But Nigella Lawson's got long black hair. And also she wasn't like cooking a in those bits. Yeah. She was supervising. Mm. Yeah. You know, she was supervising. She was on her way to a swish, you know, event with her handsome fiance who turns out to be not not so nice, but also very funny. I think everybody was all the actors were really getting into making fun of themselves um in this in this uh, movie. And he he plays, you know, what is his name? It's Daniel Day Daniel, Kim, which Daniel, you will know him from Lost. Yeah, and he's just you know uber handsome, the perfect boyfriend, and she thinks that she's you know her life is sorted. They're about to get married, and then he says to her, "Actually, let's postpone the wedding, and in the meantime, I'm going to go off to India, and I'm going to like sleep around, and you're welcome to do that." And you know, at first she's kind of, you know, you can see her trying to reconcile that, and and being saying like yeah we'll be apart together you know you just sort of know that it's not really what she's what what she wants you know she wants to have a baby and things like that and, she, and start doing those kind of things settle down um so when she goes back to san francisco and she reconnects with marcus you know you you do wonders is they is there going to be is that going to happen and i think they developed that very very well because marcus isn't I mean, he's a bit of a loser in some ways, <laughs> and and he acts like a bit of a dick at several points in the movie. I I, I felt like she's so such a kick-ass career woman, um, 
and he sort of lets her down at several points. You know, when they when they sleep together, when they're when they're teenagers, they've been best friends since they were young. And he's so horrible to her afterwards. I mean, I know his mom, his mom has just died, who's been a mother to both of them. And he kind of says something pretty unforgivable to her about how, you know, she'll never really understand this loss, even though it's clear that she she does. And I thought they did that in such a beautifully organic way. Mm-hmm. First of all, the sex scene was funny. The, the aftermath of the sex scene was really funny. Things like down to earth things like she says immediately afterwards, you know, just the way that he's awkwardly trying to touch her with his arm and he doesn't know what to do with his arm. And she's like, your, your car smells like Parmesan, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's just like, yeah, there's some Parmesan in the glove. I mean, I love that kind of thing. I just thought it was really funny. And, uh, you know, it, it, it moved, segued from there to quite an emotional moment quite well I thought they navigated that well I don't know why they wouldn't have spoken for 16 years that seems a bit intense especially for people who've been best friends from mm. when they were young you thought and the fact they used to live next door to each other so I can't yeah, one one of the things I hate trying to reconcile logic in in a film but if they lived literally next door to each other and they had sex like before or around the time of graduation and and you can't believe that they literally haven't spoken to each other and, for 16 and also years Facebook yeah Facebook well this is the face, Facebook certainly but Still, after the first few years of college, you would have come back over the summers, you would have seen each other, even though it would have been horribly awkward. Mm. Um, that kind of... Unless I think the kind of point is because she hates her family, she yeah. has basically just never, Skipped ever out. come home mm. and is basically just been opening restaurants and travelling and having this, like, amazing life and has never had any reason to come back, I guess. I don't know. Well, there was that was one kind of um, story thread through, wasn't it, when she was literally avoiding her parents and didn't even tell her parents that she, she was just back in San Francisco because that was the next place on the map to mm. open a restaurant rather than the fact that, oh, I need to go back to San Francisco and see my old people. She yeah. It was like she didn't even want her parents to know she was there, pick them up from the airport and engage with her. And she was really pissed off that time she actually turned up, they actually turned up to her restaurant. Due to her friend. Yeah. Due to her friend, Who also yeah. got uh, Marcus and her back together again. I think, I think, you know, there's a part of me that was kind of like, why would she go, why would she be attracted to Marcus? You know, he's he's got no ambition, which mm. she notes. It's one of the things she talks about to him. Um, he's, he's almost like, oh God, agoraphobic in the sense that he stays he he just even wants to play gigs just in the same block kind of thing and he smokes tons of weed and stuff like that and you know you can his excuse is that he's looking after his diabetic dad but actually it's because he's just stuck he's one of those people that's stuck and she's this big force of change in his life and I think that's what she brings to him but I was thinking about it and I think what what's nice about their relationship and they it really is highlighted when she has she starts dating Keanu Reeves (laughs) is that they have a wonderful sense of humor and they're completely honest with each other. And that does make for a nice dynamic. And you kind of see that by the end, despite his, you know, he kind of overcomes his reluctance and starts to like grudgingly, (laughs) you know, move, Mm. move forward and make um, uh, compromises for her. Which, and I thought they did, they dealt with that really nicely as well. I mean, it wasn't like a situation where she gives up her career or we're kind of made to feel like, oh, this this awful career woman is like not sacrificing everything for the man in her life, you know. Um, and I like that, you know. She doesn't take his, she doesn't take shit from him either. I think there's a, a one thing I liked, I, yeah, carrying on from that, I really did like the fact that she, it was her, her thrust and made, kind of mainly her narrative in terms of, and them going back to appearing together and then him having to join her in New York. Mm. But I also find it kind of hard that 
if they did want to have a life together, it was you you know it was a, it was a complete upheaval. Not just mm-hmm. if it was, if it was kind of role reverse if it was a man that came up along and said let's stay together but you're going to have to go to New York for six months and then go to a different place for six months and then go to a different place for six mm-hmm. months I find that for me that I find that a bit tense I'd just rather have like a, a place we can have as our own and you know maybe you go to New York for six months and we'll join you for a bit but let's have our I would have liked if, they, if she'd have said let's make San Francisco our home and we'll, we'll have this house and we can come back here like every summer and then still open my restaurants I think that for me that seemed like a more logical, yeah. yeah, more well, realistic I think thing. Yeah. At the end, at the very end, when she, she, her compromise to him, it felt like to me what they were kind of saying was she makes this restaurant that she, that's based on his mum's cooking. Mm. And my feeling and not was, selling out. yeah. And my feeling was that because she also mentioned wanting to have a baby, that that might be their base. Sure. Okay. That that might they start. You know, I can't remember if that was in New York or if that was in San Francisco as well. Um, but anyway, so I, I did kind of feel like she was listening to him. She was taking certain things that he said on board and stuff like that. It wasn't just him. <laughs> Mind you, you didn't really have anything <laughs> to give up. Yeah. I mean, I was like. <laughs> the band, man. <laughs> he was cramping his dad's sexual style as well. <laughs> and all this kind of thing. Diana Ross. <laughs> yeah, with Diana Ross. But yeah, no, I thought it was. And, you know, they were just such fun moments. It's one of those movies where there's so many funny bits. I, I mean, we have to talk about the Keanu Reeves. Let's talk bit, about Keanu Reeves. Because. So she decides she's going to give it a go with Marcus, but then it turns out that he's dating Jenny, this girl who's a brilliant caricature of mm. like the most hippy-dippy person imaginable. But it turns out she's actually super ambitious as well, <laughs> we find after the Keanu Reeves incident. <laughs> and so they go on a, double, a very awkward double date with, it turns out, Keanu Reeves, who walks in, you know, to his own theme tune and his hair. In slow spun. motion. Yeah. And, you know, it's, first of all, it's a very poncy restaurant. So Paul Marcus is in his like prom tux, which is like really dated. And, you know, Keanu. Just feels out of place straight away. Exactly. And Keanu walks in looking like a million bucks and, you know, Tom Ford and everything. And uh, I th- thought they just played on that like really, really wanky kind of <laughs> place so well. The, the the food they were given was brilliant. Yes. I, I, that was very laugh out loud for me. Yeah. Yeah. What was the whole it? Thing was about um, listening to the venison. Yes. yes. And you can you can listen to it <laughs> yeah. in its final moments Keanu, as you eat it. Wasn't it Keanu said, um, do you have anything on the menu that's um, messes with time. The concept has, it, it, of time. Yeah, yes, yeah plays with the concept of time. Yes, we have the venison and we give you earphones of the venison as, be, as it's been killed. Um, <laughs> and Keanu crying as he's eating it. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and then immediately you. going to not. To eat it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, <laughs> and, and it was interesting that um, I've forgotten her name. What's the main character's name? Um, Sasha. 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 She just didn't. She was straight she in there eating it. In there it. straight away. Yeah. Didn't care. No, no, no worries. Mm, tasty. I like the way as well, the waiter's like, oh, and everything on the table is edible. And so Marcus is like, even this napkin? And he's like, and, and you know, Jenny's like, no, of course not the napkin. He's such a, a person out of water in that, yeah. in that pretentious environment. Um, yeah, that was amazing scene. That really was. The county's had a decent year. I mean, he's I love John Wick, but this is this is not the kind of role I typically have him down as. Like he's he's making wh- fun of himself, and I thought that was so, so. I never expected that he would have such a, you know, he'd be so self aware and able to to laugh at himself like that. Because I mean, I guess you know it, it can be quite hard. But his his, even- his yeah his character is like a properly down to earth. Everyone loves Keanu Reeves because he's the person that rides the subway he stands up for people yeah. he stands up for the old ladies he's he'll sit and he'll sit and talk to the tramps 
in the park and stuff like that you, you, you have yeah. lots of pictures of that so this is playing like a super hyper version of yes yeah but he's Keanu that doesn't quite really exist. a distasteful character and oh, i was yeah. really this, surprised yeah. that Keanu would <laughs> allow himself to be Keanu in it so yeah definitely pointing uh, poking funny himself but it really took turns that i was not expecting yeah because he 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 sort of incites his he there's um tension between him and marcus from the from Brilliant. the get-go he like he he goes off and pays and then you know marcus is like well you didn't even give me a chance to argue with you and he's going listen it was six and a half thousand dollars so um, you know <laughs> <laughs> and you, you wouldn't have been able to afford it kind of thing and then they go off to his hotel and it's just a, another masterclass in this kind of like awkward tension where they're doing is it like truth truth or yeah it's like asking questions you know and and one of them is, who would you kill in this room? <laughs> and Keanu's like, Marcus. <laughs> Everyone says Marcus, basically. Yeah. Poor Marcus, except for Sasha. And then it ends in basically Keanu inciting Marcus to punch him in the face, you know, which is really, really funny. Um, I love the way it ended where Keanu orders him an Uber. Yeah, but it's an Uber it, pool. It's an Uber pool. It's like... <laughs> yeah. You bastard. That's and the final Jenny's, straw. Jenny stays because she's like... Listen, I, you know, I, I need him to help my sort of children's community thing, and you know, you know what celebrities can really help. And, and he goes, well, you know, look what Leonardo's done for the environment. He's like, what did he do? And she's just like, well, he's he's working on it. <laughs> you know, things like that were really funny. You know, and I don't know if that's because they're they're kind of celebrities themselves. Mm. Obviously, Randall Park and Ali Wong, and they they have a very very sharp eye for this kind of lack of humility and and. Um, wank you know and i really enjoyed that i think um as much as i love the carnie reeves bit it kind of took the film into into a weirder direction <laughs> um it does make the film better generally it makes it more like guys you should see this film but i'm not going to explain why um and it's the funniest part of the film but also it kind of detracts from the kind of point in a way oh do you think so yeah i, I think i feel it kind of took away from because i really um i think Randall parker I love him and everything I've seen him in, like even like Iron Man, and he's, he's in Veep um, quite a lot, um, and his, his stand-up's good. I've not seen Ella Wong stand-up, but she's got a couple of specials on on Netflix where she's pregnant both times, mm. and she's supposed to be amazing. And but I love the kind of chemistry. I love the fact they put it together. I love the fact that um, like Rhonda Park's family's Korean, her family's Chinese, but that again, that's you know that's that doesn't matter. They're both, but a lot to a lot of people, there's no difference. But there is. From the start, you know, she she goes to his mum's house and she she's make she's learned to make kimchi, which is not mm. something that she her parents would have uh, taught her to make. So I loved all those little bits, mm. but then that could that kind of Keanu bit. Just it was kind of it, took it me was a, a bit, bit too surreal. Yeah. I guess yeah, that was sort of fantastical, wasn't it? That bit. Mm. I really liked. I thought it worked well because it, I think it's hilarious. Definitely his, hilarious. His main gripe with her lifestyle, because that's what causes the tension between them later when they when they get into a relationship is that he feels that she's gotten too big for her boots. She's been too um, immersed in this, you know, surreal, if we, you know, celebrity lifestyle where you lose touch with reality, you lose touch with who you are. And that's the whole point for, for that she has to, in her journey, she has to come back to, you know, making authentic food that makes you feel at home, which she, she does by creating this restaurant, mm. Julie's Place. Um, so I actually thought it, it worked well thematically. Um, and also it showed him... It, you know, it allowed Marcus to sort of shine by comparison because he's not as big of a dick as Keanu. That is. that is true because quite a, a part, uh, quite 
a long time through the film, I felt Marcus didn't really give much of himself. He was so laid back. He was almost too laid back mm-hmm. to, apart from when he wasn't pleasant to her after they slept together. Mm. Um, but just his solidity and his like clarity of what is regular life kind of drew it back down and, and provided the rock in all of this, which sort of surprised me because I found it a really charming film, but I couldn't warm to Marcus mm-hmm. at all. That's really weird because I thought Marcus was the more believable of the character and the more kind of, I don't know, maybe based more in sort of reality. And I found Sasha just a little bit annoying. And I don't know whether that was because you know, she, she's living kind of like the superficial lifestyle before she kind of realises that actually what she really wants to do is make homemade food and, and be with Marcus. But I I thought he was kind of genuinely most like kind of a man his age that hasn't really grown up mm-hmm. and uh, is kind of lost, whereas she... I don't know, there was just something that I thought she was maybe a bit too polished and also you're kind of like looking at them they don't quite match in terms of numbers you know the numbers thing when he's he's probably like maybe a six and she's like a nine she maybe needs to be he needs to be up a bit more or she needs to maybe come down I mean that's I mean the disparity in attractiveness that's a current that's a popular um trope I guess in, in romantic comedies I'm not sure there's that much of a difference yeah them, I thought they were both gorgeous but then <laughs> I, I guess that's one of the things that happens is when you have a relationship when you're younger and that that mm. underbearing like affinity for each other when mm. you when you're very young it's hard to kind of set that aside mm. um so I kind of I didn't I didn't not buy it um I found it hard to take Marcus's lack of any kind of direction I found it, I could under, you know, you see in films like Failure to Launch where they don't, he doesn't want to leave home because he's not lazy. I have seen Failure to Launch. I've not seen it, but I know just by the storyline and the brief bit of trailer I've seen, you can tell what, what it's about. Um, but Marcus's kind of failure to want to even try is kind of, is really sad. I found it really kind well, that, of sad. That was a bit annoying. So it, it comes to a point where in the film, probably about an hour in when, um, it, it feels like the film could move a little bit quicker to get where it is. Mm. Um, and his real reluctance to move forward on anything gets a little bit annoying. Yeah, and he's, wor- kind he's of- working with his dad. He doesn't want to even try a new audition with a band. Um, I can understand why he doesn't want to go across the country to New York. I can understand why that's a too big a yeah. step, but not even like... The try- small things. Yeah. And- mm. But he does eventually. That's the thing. She's like the catalyzing force that you know breezes and in back into his life and makes him and forces him to to move and change and he's been holding on to this you know that he has to stay with his dad because the mum's died and whatever i mean it is a flimsy thing but i know people like that mm. you know i know people that have for one reason or another just never managed to really push themselves out of their comfort zone and he's got a really snugly comfort zone you know he's got his little man cave and the thing about him is, you know, it's not like he's unhappy. You know, he sort of is like dancing in the mirror to his music that he loves, you know. And his dad joins him. Exactly, his dad. I mean, his dad's great as well. And they have a wonderful relationship. But I suppose what they could have done more is maybe maybe have him show some some dissatisfaction with that sometimes. I mean, he is quite complacent. 
And even when she comes in and she's offering him <laughs> quite a cool, you know, opportunity yeah. life, you know, relationship with her. And he's sort of, once again, he kind of falls down and he sort of sabotages himself. But again, I, I didn't feel like it was um, out of the realm of, of what life is. Because as I say, I know people like that and, I, you know, it. I thought it was interesting that instead of her having to be the one who kind of like gives up things and, yeah. you know, diminishes herself, he is, he, he does take quite a mammoth step and he does go to New York and he does decide he moves out of his dad's house at last, you know, and realizes his, his dad does have to say to him, get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, and don't be a downer <laughs> in front so, of Diana Ross. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of scenes though that I was like, really could not get to grips with. First of all, when she was at the um, black tie event, going to be interviewed by all the photographers and uh, reporters, and he didn't have a jacket, and they forced him to wear like this jacket with the really long arms. <laughs> Why didn't he turn the sleeves up? He could have turned it into Miami Vice type, you know, <laughs> 80s cool. And he just stood there with, you know, he, it was almost like he, he extra sabotaged himself by standing there with her gold bag and, and his long sleeves. I, I didn't understand. Well, I, I, I mean, that kind of thing, it could be that he just, I mean, some some people just don't have any fashion sense, you know, and I might certainly got that <laughs> feeling with him. I mean, when, when he goes to the Tom Ford shop to think, okay, I need to do this properly, <laughs> he has no concept of how much a Tom Ford yeah. like suit is going to cost until it's like on him. He's like, nope, take it off me. It's going uh, off so. me, it burns. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, and he goes in. But I, I like that because that's, um, there was definitely like lots of references to Asian culture, like her parents refusing to, Tip. Getting upset if she wants to tip, you yeah. know, drivers and things. So they're always insisting on trying coming to collect her and things like that. And with him as well, when he goes to the sort of discount suit store, I mean, there were lots of nice cameos from little side characters, like the guy in the suit shop is like telling him, "It will be really well for your first court appearance, or maybe you know that job, or when you want to go to a reunion, but you don't really want them to think know how successful you are." <laughs> and I just loved stuff like that, you know, really kind of incisive, well observed comedy. Should we head to the scores, guys? Yeah. Welcome to our unique scoring system. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places. And as always, we'll start with the recommendability. And uh, Sarah May, you can kick us off. I would give it a five because I can't think of any reason not to um, recommend. It's a good It's a good time for people. It's funny, you know. I mean, I'm I, honestly, I... I if something can make me laugh, that's a comedy that makes me actually laugh because it's quite rare, actually. Mm. I'm, I'm like definitely recommending it to everybody. Susie? I would probably say four. Um, I thought it was really well written. It's quite charming. But there were quite a few parts of it that I just didn't get. And I would find it hard to recommend it to people on that basis. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like I say, really well written and there were some funny bits in it for me. Um, but yeah, there were bits that I just, I wouldn't wholeheartedly recommend it. Helen. So it is funny and it is great to see, um, kind of diversity in casting. Um, but it, I, it's, it's not when Harry met Sally, it's not quite up there with that. And I don't know, whether we're still going to be talking about this in, you know, 
20 years time as we would do with that. Um, and one thing that I forgot to mention that really, really annoyed me about it is the overuse of really loud music um, to kind of cut between scenes, which I don't know uh, whether anyone else noticed it, but I find that slightly annoying. Um, which I think will probably maybe age it. But that said, you know, it is fairly enjoyable and, you know, they both really throw themselves into it. And, you know, it is, it's, it's, got, it's got a really nice warm heart. And I think if you like romantic comedies, then you should definitely give it a go. So I'm going to go for a four on that one as well. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four because, you know, it's fairly... It's unassuming. It's not. It's un There's a lot of things to take away from it. I'd probably recommend it to people mainly because of the Keanu Reeves aspect of it. Because um, I think that does, it is really funny, but I think it just takes away from a lot of the more subtle things that I think the film's trying to do. Um, one, I think one genius bit with casting is that most, a lot of people don't know that Keanu Reeves is like, is Chinese. Like He's like half Chinese, half Hawaiian. So he's like a, so he's a mixed race act actor. So it is really good casting, but I think, and so it kind of plays still within that kind of that type of people who were showing. Um, but I still think it's like, ah, oh, I wish I could have done a really funny bit, but not had to bring someone else to like almost be the, the special effects funny part of the film. Does that make sense? The, the fact that Keanu is like the kind of the joke, the big joke. Yeah. It? Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. And also. It's the reason I recommend it, but at the same time, it's the reason I kind of like, ah, oh, I, I wish I could have done something ex as excellent without. It's funny, but then also I think about Keanu Reeves and I'm, like think about how hard he's had to work mm. for the past kind of 15 years to reinvent himself and to get taken seriously and to, you know, actually have people go and watch his films because, you know, after, well, kind of before The Matrix and then after The Matrix, he was very uncool again and... Yeah, he was. I don't but know. he really struggled. Apart from John Wick, <laughs> there hasn't really been anything that he's been in that's been as popular as mm. The Matrix or, you know, Speed or... I think the the problem with, yeah, Keanu is that he's never cast properly. And once, mm, he got, once his style yeah. kind of power really rose, they started just tried to cast him in films which just don't mm. really fit his mm. acting style. And yeah. that's why it becomes... Style. Really, yeah. I know. I don't think he's the best actor mm. there, but he's a, his sheer Keanu-ness. <laughs> you know, as, yeah. as you were saying, Kobe, in the right role is just, you know, so delightful. So, I mean, I th and I think that he really, he, you can see that he's relishing this role. Yeah. And yeah, he's having absolutely. fun and that's really nice to see. But I don't think, I don't think it hinges just on Keanu. So I don't know that I necessarily agree with you, Kobe, that, um, you know, if he wasn't in it, mm. this film would still um, have its charm, would still have its um, quirkiness. Oh, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I think it's it's got all that to it. I just wish that the the main reason I'd be recommended to people wasn't the fact that Keanu's in there. I wish the main people I was recommended main reason I was recommended to people is because there's all this other layers to it that we don't see normally, and it's a good it's a good fun film without it. I think without Keanu. Um, it's a less interesting film. So my point was, I wish there was a, a, a set piece or something they could do without bringing like a another actor in or thing to make it to elevate it. Is my is my is my feels. It's interesting because <laughs> I think if I was recommending it to people, I don't know that I'd even mention. Keanu I, yeah, I wouldn't. I, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't mention. It. I'd just say, yeah, guys, watch it. It's freaking brilliant <laughs> and have have fun with it. Watch it all the way to the end. Tell me afterwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, repeat viewing score. Sarah May. 
Um, yeah, I've, I mean, I've already seen her twice. <laughs> um, it's been out, what, a month now? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I had to rewatch it just to refresh my memory. Um, yeah, so I, I would say probably 4.5. Boom. Um, how many, well, that's, I mean, that's quite high for a recent film. <laughs> I mean, listen, look, I enjoy it. I Listen, I, it, it, the romantic <laughs> comedy, if it makes me laugh and has all the feels and it has like, you know, I'm there. I'm there for it. There's a film, uh, there, there's a documentary that's, I'm not sure whether what, how it's going to be distributed called, called Romantic Comedy by an ex-guest of ours called Elizabeth Sankey. Um, and it's, she kind of, she's like a rom-com fanatic. Um, and she goes through all the rom-com films, like all the tropes. sort of documentary slash deep dive. Yeah, it's like a, it's a video essay of mm. like romantic comedies. And one of the biggest, as a fan of it, then she starts to unpick the different tropes. First of all, being that Hollywood was more for women when it first started. Then men came went, oh, this seems quite interesting. We're going to take over. So that changed <laughs> the role for women in film through to the fact that it's generally middle-aged or upper-class straight white people that take the, that have the, the leads in these kind of films. Mm. So I'd like to kind of hear her, as someone who's a fan of rom-coms. Yeah, no, I'd love nice to know what she thinks. What's your yeah. thinks on, on yeah. things like this? Um, repeat the score, Susie. Um, I'm going to say three. I did watch it one and a half times in order to watch it all the way through. When did you stop the second time? Uh, when I had to leave to come up here tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was going to say, you dived that when Keanu finished. Uh, oh, yes. No, it was at the end of the, it was the bubbles. As okay. the bubbles came out, the lavender bubbles or whatever it was that came out at the uh, end of the dining scene. Um, but, um, yeah, I I might watch it again. I think, you know, if I was with friends and they hadn't seen it, I'd watch it. Sure. But, but, yeah. Helen? Um... Uh, I'm I'm not really hyped to watch it again. Uh, I th- it's a little bit long, and I think I got a little bit bored of the breaking up, getting back together. Will they? Won't they? Of course, they're going to thing at the end. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, one point five. <laughs> uh, I'm going for two. I reckon um, it's fine. Can't see myself thinking to watch anything. There's just other things I'd rather watch again. Um, I want to see more Randall Park stuff. I want to see more Ali Wong stuff. Um, I just want to see them doing more stuff together and in separate things. Uh, and for me, it's great to see Randall as not just a, a side role as, but, uh, or a sidekick. He's, um, I think it's the first time I've actually seen Ali. So more more of those guys, but maybe I'd probably look to see their other things and watch this again. So I'm going to go for a 1.9. Small screen score. Sarah May. Um, I think it works really well on the small screen. Um, I think it would work well on the big screen as well. So, but yeah, I mean, I reckon I'd give it like a 4.5. Susie. I'll give it a five. Um, I thought it sat absolutely well on the small screen and I watched it on my iPad, which was a really small screen (laughs) (laughs) and, um, it was totally fine on that. What, what rom-coms have we seen recently on, on, in cinema? I don't know. I saw. I'd, oh no, that's not really romantic. <laughs> What's that? I, I was gonna say. Well, they, I've been to the cinema recently, like twice in like a week, which is really surreal. But none of those were rom coms. So I'm trying to think of any rom coms that are inherently cinematic. Yeah. It? I'm trying to think of anything. By the, their nature, they tend to be more, you know, rooms. Yeah. People talking dialogue. The English. Oh no, the English patient isn't a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's romance in it. And there's not one romantic comedy. 
Uh, yeah, so I think I think they're generally well. I mean, for, yeah, sorry, this alludes more to my score, but uh, what's your small screen score, Helen? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a five because uh, I would never have seen this otherwise had it not been on Netflix. Mm. Um, I probably would have maybe come across it um, maybe a bit later because there was a little bit of a buzz about it being kind of fun uh, and you know a, a little bit quirkier than usual. But um, yeah, I don't really know whether I would. I'm trying to think now really made me think whether i've seen a romantic comedy at the cinema no. recently even my, my favorite bridesmaids bridesmaids yes mm. that's, true. that's, that's it is that cinematic i think it's fun oh, seeing that in the cinema shared it. i think yeah. the, the thing with that is because it's mm. it's it's got those big comedy shared moments yeah. yeah the shared experience of that and maybe like oh i'm gonna go with my girls we're yeah, gonna yeah. go to the cinema <laughs> we're gonna get our nails done in boots before what was the one with <laughs> renee Zellweger? bridget jones you seen that any of those in the cinema Probably the first one. Sure. So that was like a big one. Let's go yeah. together. Yeah. Like a big cinematic moment. But I don't know. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Um, My mind is drawing a blank. I'm going to go for five. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have seen this in a cinema. Um, yeah. I didn't fine. even see it. Did it get a cinema release? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, it's, I, it, it, it kind of appeared and everyone was like, oh, it's Keanu in, and it's it's kind of, this one's actually really good. It's not just for... Does Netflix release all I think it, it depends on how big a mark, how big a pull it they think it's going to have. So The Irishman's coming out. It may, or be out, it may actually be out by the time we release this episode, but that's going to definitely get a cinematic release and Roma had a small cinematic release if it gets a cinematic release it, it'll be super small and uh, but it, so if this had a cinematic release it would have been less it would have been a week maximum with it, the Irishman and Roma that had like two weeks so they still never really pulled the st- pull all the stops do they because you'd think that they might have because Crazy Rich Asians was such a massive hit mm. you know and I, I think there are some correlations although I think this is better than that, than that it's, movie it's definitely that's their yeah. audience that they're sort of going yeah. for so I, I thought I would have thought it would be a good, you know, good one to take a punt on, but yeah, I agree with you. I didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't see it anywhere um, advertised. Engagement score. Well, I'm going to give it a five because I was <laughs> fully engaged. <laughs> okay, Susie. I'm going to go for three. Um, the first time I watched it, I did actually pause partway through and then come back to it. Um, and like I say, I. I only saw half of it today and I'm not sure I'm going to go back and watch the rest. So what was that, three? Three. I like the way people apologise to us. So. <laughs> really I'm apologising to Sarah yeah. May because she loves it so much. <laughs> uh, Helen? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's an hour and 41 minutes, um, if anyone else was counting, um, which I, I think maybe, to, as I, I, my interest was a bit waning towards the end. I was kind of waiting for them to mm. resolve it all and just kind of get on with it. Um, so uh, 3.5. Yeah, I'm going to go for two and a half here. I reckon it was fine. Um, after Keanu left and you knew he wasn't going to come back, I was I was just waiting for the end to happen. There's a few things that happened which kind of sparked my interest. The main one being that, you know, they set up the website and sold the goods and you found out that it was uh, Sasha that was buying all, the, all of the... Um, band merch and I was like oh that's quite a nice nice little tweet nice little thing there but apart from that there wasn't anything that really kind of I felt I need to be you know paying attention to you knew they were going to get together 
there's going to be some point between the last 10, you know, in the last 10 minutes of the film. So I was just kind of waiting for that to happen. And then it happened. I was like, okay, good, good. Um, so that translates to me to, to 2.5. And we're going to have, that's an overall score of uh, 3.84. This is mainly buoyed by Sarah May's effervescent <laughs> scoring system for this. Okay. Um, so guys, can we sign off by letting us know where we can find you online? And say bye to whoever's listening. Um, you can find me at fablegazers.com um, on Twitter uh, at fable underscore gazers, Instagram at fablegazers. Yeah, say hi. Um, thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at casualbirderpod and on Instagram at casualbirderpodcast. And um, if you like penguins, I've got episodes on penguins. If you like crows, I've got episodes on crows. <laughs> um, but I also do take people out on bird walks. And um, so if you've not, if you're from a country or an area that doesn't have the birds we're talking about, have a listen because um, hopefully you'll enjoy hearing the bird song. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood R O K K Wood audio tell them flix watcher sent you you just heard a stripped media production 